Welcome to the Rena Malik MD podcast, where we explore health and demystify the complex to improve your quality of life. I'm Dr. Rena Malik, urologist and pelvic surgeon. Today, our guest is Dr. Lori Mintz. Dr. Lori Mintz is a licensed psychologist and professor in the psychology of human sexuality at the University of Florida. She has written a book called Becoming Clitorate, which offers solutions on orgasmic inequality and education about female anatomy and clitoral education. She has been named as Forbes 50 over 50 and has a wildly successful TED talk on why women are having less orgasms than men. In today's discussion, we talk about the orgasm gap, what contributes to this orgasm gap, and how female anatomy plays a role in orgasm. We talk about clitoral stimulation, the time it takes for women to become aroused, and how mindfulness contributes to sex. We also talk about pornography and if penile size actually matters. And lastly, we discuss the use of sexual toys. We hope that you will enjoy this podcast and learn a great deal. Lori, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. Well, I have to say at a personal note, I loved your book. It was great. It was so well written, so easy to understand for anybody, and I highly recommend it. So thank you for writing it because it's fantastic. Oh, thank you. That means so much to me. Some of the best moments in life are spontaneous, unplanned. But for men dealing with moderate to severe erectile dysfunction or ED, preparing for intimacy can rob you and your partner of spontaneity. The joy of living in the moment. Now you can restore that spark in your relationship with the AMS 700 implant, a clinically proven permanent solution designed for your satisfaction and your partner's. It's the number one physician-preferred implant. It's built to look and feel natural. Happy partners agree. 92% of patients and 96% of their partners report sexual activity with the implant excellent or satisfactory. It gives you the ability to respond to your partner's wishes in the moment, not minutes or hours later. The AMS 700. No pills, no injections, no waiting. For more information, visit edcure.org slash podcast. That's E-D-C-U-R-E dot O-R-G slash P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Sponsored by Boston Scientific. So I want to start off and start talking about the orgasm gap. Like, what is that? What is the difference in men getting orgasms and women getting orgasms? And of course, we're using the terms male and female in this video. But of course, other people can identify as male gender, female gender, or non-binary. So great. I love that you asked that. And I love that you gave that caveat because the orgasm gap is the consistent finding in the literature. And all this has been conducted on cisgender women and men. But In my clinical practice, I think it applies to anyone with a penis and a vulva. But the bottom line, the orgasm gap is the consistent finding in the research literature that when women and men get it on, the women are having significantly fewer orgasms than the men. So let me like break it down with some striking statistics. In one study, um, 91% of men versus 39% of women said they usually are always orgasm during a sexual encounter. Whoa, big gap. And that study didn't ask the context of the sex, but subsequent research that has finds that the gap is biggest in hookup sex. It gets smaller in subsequent hookups and friends with benefits. And it gets even smaller in relationship sex, but it never 
closes all together. Even in relationship sex, women are having about one orgasm to every man's three. That is so striking. And of course, as a woman, I'm not really surprised to hear that there's a gap, but the significant amount of the gap is really, really surprising to me. So what do you think really contributes to that gap? So I have heard so many people say, oh, women's orgasms are difficult and elusive and it's our body. No, there's two other findings that say that's not what it is. So let me tell you those and then I'll tell you what it is. So when women masturbate, pleasure themselves, 95% of us reach orgasm easily and within minutes. So our bodies aren't elusive. We know what to do when we're alone. And women have more orgasms when they have sex with women than with men. The most striking study that really underscores this was a very small study with bisexual women who hooked up with women and men. So these are the same women, same bodies. And when they had hookup sex with women, they orgasmed in first time hookup sex 85% of the time. Wow. Um, with men, 7% of the time. Whoa, 80% versus 7? 85 versus 7. Oh my gosh, that is just unreal. So, you know, we've I've talked on this channel about female anatomy. How does female anatomy play a role in all this in the sense of male understanding of female anatomy and how to make women orgasm? Exactly. So the cause is in our bodies. And I'm not blaming men. I love men. I have a son-in-law I love. I've been married to the same man for, you know, almost 40 years. So this is not a commentary on men. It's a commentary on culture. So the reason that we're having this gap in heterosexual sex is false images that women orgasm from penetration alone and that men should last long and thrust hard to make that happen. When in fact, only 4 to 18% of us orgasm from penetration alone, the rest need clitoral stimulation, external clitoral stimulation, either alone or coupled with penetration. In our culture, ignorance of the clitoris, our ignoring of it in heterosexual sex and kind of revolving the whole thing around intercourse is what is underlying the orgasm gap. That's exactly right. I mean, I think that the issue is, and I think in your book, you said that, you know, when you look at those studies about penetration versus clitoral stimulation in that 14% of people who did orgasm between clitorals uh, with penetration, a lot of them were actually also getting clitoral stimulation. So really the true number was about 5%. Is that right? That is exactly right. The older studies just said, oh, do you orgasm from penetration and didn't break it down? And those studies said, oh, 30% can. But then later studies said, okay, can you orgasm from just penetration, no clitoral stimulation? And that's where it was like 15 or 18%. But in my research, I thought, let's take out the word intercourse because people think they should. And I asked women, what's your most reliable route to orgasm? And only 4% say penetration alone without clitoral stimulation. Yeah, that's that's crazy. So as far as, you know, getting men involved in clitoral stimulation, reaching that subject matter with your partner or introducing it in sex, I mean, some men may feel hesitant to do that. Do you have any tips for them? 
Yeah. So, you know, we know that men really care about women's pleasure. Like all those writings that this gap is about men not caring. I don't buy that. All the men I talk to care really deeply. They're just misguided by false images and lack of knowledge. So, you know, what I would say to the men is tune into that. Tune into your desire to please your partner. And then knowing that what your partner really needs is clitoral stimulation really opens the conversation. And I just suggest having a conversation outside of the bedroom and just saying like, hey, your pleasure is important to me. I want you to have fun. I want you to orgasm. I watched this cool YouTube video and I learned that most women need clitoral stimulation. I really want to learn your way. Will you tell me? Will you show me what you need to orgasm? And for most, it's oral sex, manual stimulation, or the reason I'm wearing these, vibrator stimulation. Vibrator is not going to replace you. It's your ally in pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's great. And I think that you shouldn't be afraid to bring those sort of things in the bedroom with you, toys, accessories, whatever you need to get there makes it more fun and exciting. Exactly. We know that the vagina is a pretty amazing structure. And I think sometimes people have difficulties uh, with having intercourse with their partner because there's not enough time for lubrication to happen. And that does take some time. So what do you say to people who maybe are not, you know, getting there and not enjoying intercourse and maybe they're avoiding it with their partner because there's just not enough time for lubrication to happen. How long does that really take? Well, it really varies depending on the woman and it varies depending on her level of comfort and also biology or even just like stress or is she on antihistamines that day. But we also know that some women produce a lot of lube on their own vaginal lubrication. Some don't. And that doesn't mean they're not aroused. So here's what I say. Here's some really important information on the vagina. When it's aroused, it lubricates and the cervix pulls up and out of the way. And if you have penetration before those things happen, it's going to hurt. And sadly, a lot of people don't know that. And we've got this message like it's okay that it hurts. It's supposed to hurt. It's not. And if you have penetrative sex before those things happen, it's going to hurt. So take as long as it needs. It can be five minutes. It can be 10 minutes. Those are a little low. I'd say 20 to 40 of really getting aroused before penetration. And lube is sex's best friend. Lube and mindfulness and vibrators and all of those. But store-bought lube, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with your partner. It doesn't mean there, there's something wrong with you. Some of our bodies just don't lubricate naturally. So using lube, either a water-based or for penetrative sex, silicone is excellent or a hybrid lube, use it. Arouse, arouse, foreplay, foreplay, even though I don't like that word for reasons we can discuss, and store-bought lube, all of those. Guys, do you ever find yourself dragging through the day, low on energy, having trouble in the bedroom, or just not feeling like yourself? You might be experiencing something more common than you think, testosterone deficiency or low T. Did you know that low testosterone affects about 40% of American men over 45? As men age, testosterone levels continue to decline. You might notice signs like impotence, changes in sexual desire, depression, 
reduce muscle mass, or even fatigue. But here's the thing. It's not just about low T. It's about your overall well-being. That's where Rethink Testosterone comes in, a great resource for all men to learn about how testosterone affects their bodies. Rethink Testosterone is your go-to platform with tons of educational content and evidence-based scientific studies that go over everything you want to know about testosterone, from how low testosterone affects you to the common myths about testosterone replacement therapy and options for treatments. So check out RethinkTestosterone.com, your hub for all things testosterone and low T. Rethink Testosterone is on a mission to change the narrative and stigma around men's hormone health. Why wait? Visit RethinkTestosterone.com today and consider checking your testosterone levels. Always remember, you're worth it. Rethink Testosterone, because understanding your health is the first step to owning it. Head to www.RethinkTestosterone.com today and make taking care of your body a priority. Yeah, absolutely. And I've made a whole video about lubricants, so check it out. And I really think that it can make things a lot of fun. So you can introduce it into the bedroom being like, hey, I think this will be really fun and exciting. There's like different kind of flavored ones and scented ones or, you know, things like that. Of course, you want to make sure you're not sensitive to lubricants when you use them. So try it out on your skin before you use it in the bedroom. Uh, but there are so many great options out there, and I would absolutely introduce them into the bedroom with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have fun. I mean, variety also is exciting. So try different ones. If they work great, if they don't, try a different one. Absolutely. And look for discounts, coupons. Everyone has sales, so you can try a whole bunch of different ones. So you mentioned mindfulness. How does mindfulness play into a really great sexual encounter? Yeah. And this is for women and men. So basically all of our minds wander all the time. Like that's what our brains are good at. Thinking ahead to problem solving, thinking back to learn things. But what that prevents us from doing is having our mind and body in the same place in general, in life and in sex and to orgasm and to really enjoy sex. You must have your mind and body in the same place. And so many of us don't. We're having sex, our body's having sex, and our mind is like, do I look okay? Do I smell okay? Am I going to come? Uh-oh, I forgot to return that email. And mindfulness is noticing when that happens and bringing yourself back to the present. And so I tell my clients and my students, practice it in everyday life. You can do it by meditation or yoga or just daily activities. The next time you brush your teeth, instead of being like, oh, what am I going to do tomorrow? Think about, like, really focus on the sensations. Notice when your mind wanders and bring it back. And then you can apply that to the bedroom. And here's a really cool under, uh, study to underscore this. This brain state right before orgasm is identical to the brain state of deep mindfulness meditation. And that we are self-conscious, our monitoring is gone. And so, in fact, turning off your self-monitoring with the idea of mindfulness is a prerequisite to orgasm. Oh, that's so good. That's so, so good. I think mindfulness plays a huge role for both men and women. And men in particularly can get really caught up in you know, is their penis size long enough? Or if they have an issue with performance, which happens to nearly every guy at some point in their life where they'll have an issue with performance, that can really play a huge role 
in being able to get erections and actually being able to penetrate. And so I think that this is so key for so many men who are suffering with issues with erectile dysfunction, but really it's a lot of it's, you know, because of this lack of mindfulness. Lack of mindfulness is sex's enemy and mindfulness is sex's best friend for women and men. And it's been proven in the research over and over again. That's so great. So let's talk about, you know, pornography. A lot of people ask me about pornography. Is it safe? Is it setting us back? What are your thoughts on that? Okay, so I think this is one of the most contentious topics out there, even among sex therapists. And here is what we know from research, which is where I like to turn for my information, which is that porn has some positive effects and some negative effects. So for a lot of people, it's very arousing. That lubrication we talked about earlier, erections, like it helps you get in the mood. It also can really help with like getting your brain off of other things. Some couples even enjoy watching it together. Um, And uh, there's some research that people who watch porn together communicate together better about sex, experiment more. So there's some positives, especially if you're watching what we call ethical porn, which isn't degrading or violent and features, you know, some aspects of relationships, et cetera. But here's the negatives. For a small percentage of users, it becomes compulsive. They stay home to use it rather than going to work. They'd rather do that because it's less anxiety provoking than getting with a partner or they masturbate so firmly, men with penis, men, so intensely that they get used to a type of physical and visual stimulation they can't replace with a partner. Now, that's a small percentage of users, but if that's you, you need to seek help, and I can even give you some tips. The biggest um, harm that we see from pornography is people using it as education rather than entertainment. Um because of our terrible sex ed system, we don't give people good information. So they turn to the internet and what you see on porn, such as women having fast and fabulous orgasms from penetration alone with no warm up, no lubricants, that is, gives a false image. And even worse, we're seeing more and more, and I'm sure you've seen this and can speak to this, the anal sex is the type of activity that requires the most preparation and without it, it can cause injury, STIs, yet in incredible pain and injuries, yet in porn, you don't see any of that. It's just immediate. And we're seeing people showing up in the ER really from those kind of encounters that are mimicking porn. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that percentage of users will continue to grow who have problems with it because it's so readily accessible. So when we were younger, right, you had to find a VCR, you had to find a a tape, and you had to find a place to watch it. You couldn't just, you know, you couldn't find a room where no one was going to walk in necessarily. But now it's so easily accessible on our phones. And um, it does make it, you know, more likely that people can develop these bad habits or bad bad understandings of what a sexual encounter should look like, whether it's penetrative, anal, anything. Exactly. Exactly. And this is especially true for young 
people who, if that's their first exposure and they're given no other information, and it's so easy. So I'm not anti-porn, but I really think it has to be, you know, what I wish, honestly, and I know this is never going to happen, but I wish we had better sex ed. And I wish that sex ed included for high school students a section on porn literacy. You know, there I don't know who said this, but you wouldn't learn to drive from a Fast and Furious movie. So you should not learn to have sex from porn. It's entertainment, not education. They're actors and actresses. Exactly. Absolutely. 100%. The other thing that I've noticed with patients and people in general is that there's a lot of penis size anxiety. And I know that for a fact because my video on increasing penis size has 20 million views. So clearly, 20 million men out there or, or women are interested in increasing penile length. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Oh, please don't do that. Penis size doesn't matter to female pleasure, except in those rare 4%. Remember, 4% of people who orgasm from penetration alone. There was a study where they asked women, what's the most important? important thing to you during intercourse? Open-ended question. Not one person mentioned penis size. Not one. They mentioned lovers who care about their pleasure, who communicate with them, who know about the clitoris. So you would be better off letting that go and spending more of your time learning about female pleasure than focusing on the size of your penis. And you will enjoy sex more too because you can let go of those anxieties around size and stamina, pleasure her in the way she needs to be pleasured, and then enjoy the sensations in your penis without worrying how big it is and how long it lasts. Men, are you still searching for a solution for your erectile dysfunction? You know, the frustration of pills and injections and pumps? By the time you're ready, the moment may have passed. You and your partner can no longer enjoy the thrill of spontaneity, and scheduling time for intimacy may be a disappointment. Now, there's a way to be ready in the moment for as long as you need. The AMS 700 implant is a permanent ED solution designed for your satisfaction and your partners. Happy partners agree with 92% of patients and 96% of their partners reporting sexual activity to be excellent or satisfactory. So go ahead. Live in the moment with our clinically proven physician-preferred AMS 700. Learn more at edcure.org slash podcast. That's E-D-C-U-R-E dot O-R-G slash P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Sponsored by Boston Scientific. Exactly. I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's an unpopular opinion among men because it's it's a part of our society and you mentioned it in your book and I completely agree we as women contribute to it too right we oogle and awe over you know large penis of representations in the media or you know if you're looking at toys or things like that but ultimately when I've talked to men with very long penises or very girthy penises they actually find that women find it painful sometimes to have intercourse with them and so it's it's not always this great wonderful thing to have and as you mentioned very clearly, it doesn't really contribute to pleasure all that much for women. Women care more about feeling connected and getting clitoral stimulation and other things that can really bring them more pleasure than the size of your penis. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And Ian Kerner has a great book called She Comes First, The Gentleman's Guide to Pleasuring a Woman. And he makes this point beautifully that it's like, you know, you've been sold a false good, that a false bill of goods. And if you let it go, it's really going to be to your benefit to not worry about the size of your penis. Learn communication skills, learn clitoral stimulation, the size makes no difference. And we must stop, I think, making jokes about penis size because it just contributes to this insecurity. And it's also, it's not good for anybody. Oh my God, this has just been so great. I had one last question that comes up all the time with my audience, with my patients, is they're worried that a toy can actually replace them with their partner. And so that their partner will start looking to a toy rather than them for pleasure. Yeah, I, I'm so glad you asked that because I really, really want to debunk that. We know that vulvas respond incredibly well to vibration. Actually, so do penises, too. So having your partner's vibrator down there while your penis is there, you might get some vicarious vibes that are feeling good to you. So, but in terms of replacing a partner, not at all. Vibrators don't cuddle. They don't laugh. They don't say, I love you. All they do is provide the kind of stimulation that vulvas really and clitorises respond really well to. And if you, and there's studies that show a man's acceptance of his partner's vibrator use is highly related to her sexual satisfaction. And that's what you're here for, right? To make your partner satisfied. So asking her, do you use a vibrator? Can we use it together? Don't hesitate to use it on yourself during intercourse. And here's the metaphor I love to use with people. If you were swimming in the pool with your partner and there is a raft there and it was a beautiful day and you jumped on the raft and you jumped off the raft and you just had a lovely day, you would not go home and call your friend and say, oh, me and my raft, we had the best day. Oh, my boyfriend was there. You wouldn't even mention the raft at all. It's not about the raft. That was just a tool to enhance the experience. And the same is true of vibrators. Absolutely. And I would encourage you guys, if you want to, you know, make it even more accepting, go ahead and buy your partner a toy as a gift. Show them that you're super accepting of it. And, and you know, really, I think that will mean a lot to them. Absolutely. And it's no less sex if your partner uses her vibrator on her during intercourse than if she doesn't. And in fact, she'll get more excited. You can focus on you. It's a, it's a technique that sex therapists recommend all the time. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Lori. This has been outstanding. I hope that our audience learned so, so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode on the Rena Malik MD podcast. If you enjoy listening, the best way to support our podcast is by rating and reviewing this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. This allows us to spread free education to more people each and every week. You can find me on social media on all the platforms at Rena Malik MD, including YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you'd like to see me as a patient, you can easily schedule an appointment at www.renamalikmd.com backslash appointments. And as always, remember to take care of yourself because you are worth it.